BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, Sean Hannity here, and there's so much happening around our country. Crimes happening in your own backyard. Listen to the story of Bob Brayton. Now, Bob was at home when an intruder physically forced his way inside. Now, luckily, Bob was able to grab his burner, and he used it to backpedal the man right outside and off of his property. Now, it's legal in all 50 states. No background checks required. They ship it right to your door. Go to burner, B-Y-R-N-A dot com slash Hannity. And if you do that now, you get an exclusive 10% discount. My friends at MyPillow, my buddy Mike Lindell, told me he was coming out with a brand new product. It's called the New Mattress Topper. So I got the New Mattress Topper immediately, and I've been sleeping on it now for a couple of months. It's the best thing you've ever felt in your life. Now, you literally have MyPillow Foam for Support. It's a transitional foam that helps relieve pressure points, and it's ultra-soft, patented temperature regulating cover. And I got to tell you, it has a 10-year warranty, a cover that's washable and dryable. It's made in the USA, backed by their 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee. Once you try this new mattress topper, you put it right over your mattress, you will never sleep better. And right now, you, my radio listeners, you're going to save 30% off when you go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code TOPPER. And by the way, Mike will also give you two standard MyPillows absolutely free. All right, so try MyPillow.com promo code TOPPER, promo code TOPPER for this great deal and the best night's sleep you ever had. All right, welcome to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to send me any hate tweets or whatevs, I'm good for it. In for Sean today. It's been a while. It's now my third separate studio with Sean. It's freezing. I flew up from Florida. I'm still not acclimated to this New York weather. I'm gotten, I'm getting soft in my old age, embarrassingly so. I was on. Did you uh, just say you were getting soft? I am. I'm getting like 19 inch arms. I don't know. No, I I am because last night, Linda, I come into the Marine Air Terminal at LaGuardia, and it's 10 o'clock at night. So I, you know, I've been out of New York and Maryland in the Northeast basically for like four or five years now, and I. You know, you, you should be able to deal with the winter. You walk around, it's a little chilly. You get a goosebump, but you don't whine. So last night I walk outside, and Fox was nice enough to send the car because, as you know, there's a big night today for Dan Bongino. What is it, folks? Dan Bongino is in for Sean Hannity on TV, too, doing a double dip. You believe this? So, 
Yeah, what are you going to say? Something? I just wanted to say that this is a historic moment. Historic. And, and I know. Breaking news. Right. Yes. This I get huge. the liner. And you everyone guys. should be watching it on repeat and Please. DVRing and DVR. tweeting about how amazing Watch it, it twice. I don't know if they get double the credit, but watch it twice. Watch it. You might miss something. And if you do, when you watch it the second time, be like, oh, I didn't see that the and first Linda, time. And Linda, you know me. With me on TV or radio, you literally might miss something. You never know what's coming out of this melon of mine. You know, the inspiration for stuff comes out. It just happens. Stuff just happens. So don't miss it. But they sent the car because they're good like that. And the car was seriously, I, I mean, literally not figuratively, like two minutes late. And I'm on the phone with the company. And I'm like, please, God, send this car. It was like 120 seconds. It wasn't even that cold, but I was dying. I was like, where? It was is cold this? last night. It, it was cold. But not enough for 120 seconds of whining, no. The poor lady on the phone, please. Please send this car. I can't even, like my mouth, my lips were chapped. I just got off the plane. My lips are already chapped. My muscles are not functioning. The cheeks are, I'm like, send the It was so pathetic. The lady on the other line is like, dude, are you serious? Like, the, I, you just called. And, and I couldn't even finish the conversation. So bottom line, car shows up. I'm all good. I made it. It's nice and warm and toasty in here. Got like three, four layers on, so I'm good to go. All right, getting to the actual show now that I've done enough whining about how cold it is up in New York and I've gotten soft. So something big happened yesterday. By the way, I just changed the whole show, just so you know, Linda. I was going to do something different, and I turned a page in my handy-dandy notebook for my podcast. I'm like, no, no, let's talk about something different because we got Mark Meadows coming on at the bottom of the hour, so I wanted to hit this. Did you see what happened yesterday? What happened yesterday should have been front page news everywhere on every media outlet in America. And you only really heard about it through isolated conservative channels. Nobody discussed it. What happened? The P dossier. You know the P dossier, the PP tape dossier. That's what I call I'm not even going to call it anything less than the P dossier because nothing demoralizes, right? The dossier more than calling it the PP dossier because that's what it is. The dossier entirely collapsed yesterday and over the weekend. Now, you may say, oh, well, oh, whatever, Dan. We, you know, we already knew the dossier was crap. Yeah, yeah, we knew that. But now it's on the record, documented, that this dossier is a steaming pile of horse. You get it. I don't want to have to use the buzzer button here. I just got up to the studio. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but on live radio, you can't do that. There are rules and stuff. I don't like rules. You can probably tell. The dossier entirely fell apart. Linda's dying in there. She's had a deal with me for like 10 years I can't now. even breathe. You are. I can see. I've known you for a while. She's like trying to eat inside, and she's listening to me. She's got her hand in it. She's like, what is going on here? What is, you know, well, I'll tell you what's going on. The Dan Bongino tornado just hit your studio. That's what's going on. It's my second show today. I taped my podcast from the show, and thank you, Ethan, for listening. I taped it from the hotel this morning because I'm good like that. I never miss a show. Ever. So I come in here and I'm like, we got to talk about this dossier thing because Sean has like 75 quadrillion listeners and this is the time to get it out. Three big things, three happened to this dossier. Let's talk about number one. Lanny Davis, who, listen, I don't have any problem with Lanny, right? He comes on this show. Lanny's a decent guy, but he's a Clinton guy. He will defend the Clintons to the death. Lanny Davis is a Clinton guy. Everybody knows Lanny Davis. You've probably seen him on cable news sometimes. Lanny is a Clinton guy. Lanny is also serving as a PR rep for Michael Cohen. Lanny Davis went on a, a television channel, a cable news station, and entirely debunked 
a key component, central tenet of the dossier, that Michael Cohen, Trump's former attorney, went to Prague to organize this whole, like, Russian collusion, Kremlin hacking of Hillary's emails thing. Do you understand, folks, that follow me here, right? The whole FBI case against Trump is the dossier. Oh, come on, Dan, you're just making that up. No, no, I'm just telling you what the number two at the FBI, Andy McCabe, the deputy director, said himself. He said they wouldn't have had a case without the dossier. So let's be clear on this, because liberals, I know you have a really tough time. I know facts and, like, data and stuff can't get through your thick skulls. I understand that. So I'm going to do this super slow for you. The FBI has imse- has them- have themselves excuse me, acknowledged that the case against Donald Trump and his team, this scandal would not have existed without the dossier. The central core of the dossier, this fake dossier, is that Cohen went to Prague to organize this thing. Well, what's the problem? The dude never went to Prague. He never went to Prague. His own former lawyer, who's now doing PR for him, who is a Clintonite, he has no reason to lie, went on the air and said, he has, what, let me quote, uh, he has never, ever, and then I think there's like six more never evers in there, never, ever been to Prague. Now, keep in mind, Cohen is cooperating with the special counsel. Why would his lawyer, a Clintonite, lie? You do? Can we hit that? I do want to ask you about the Steele dossier, because in that, your client has mentioned that he met with Russians in Prague in the summer of 2016. Uh, That's not correct. So you didn't didn't go to Prague in the summer of 2016? Number one, he never went to Prague. Never went to Prague. Number two, he never mentioned. Number three, there is a public document on the website of McDermott, Will, and Emery that denies. Got to ask you. 13 references to Mr. Cohen are false in the dossier, but he's never been to Prague in his life. How many nevers? How many nevers do you need? That was like four or five nevers. I wasn't keeping track. You know when you're a kid and you're, you, you remember Tom Hanks in Castaway when he's putting on the cave wall how many days he's been on the island? He starts drawing the line and then the vertical and horizontal line through it, right? How many nevers is that? I lost track. The dude has never been to Prague. Listen, I, I used to be a federal agent, okay? I, I'm not patting myself on the back. I know nobody cares. Everybody's got impressive jobs out there. Good for you all. You all work really, really hard for a living. I did at one point or two when I did that. But it doesn't take a federal investigator to break down that the guy's lawyer is conclusively stating for the record on a television station watched by millions that the guy has never been to Prague. Therefore, the dossier... The whole dossier is based on this, that Cohen coordinated this, is junk. That happened. Lanny Davis is doubling and tripling down on the dossier being garbage. What, why is this not everywhere? Now, to be fair, because the liberal media is never, ever fair to us, there have been a couple of, I've noticed some, Let's call them like entrepreneurial left-leaning media outlets who I think are afraid of the egg on their face when the true story of this scandal is told. By the way, told in my book, Spygate. Do you, you like how I threw that oh in Oh, my there? God, Dan, do you have a book? I have a book. Do you believe it? It's in the studio right here behind me. Dan, what is the name of that book again? Because Spygate, the attempt is that a capital S? Donald J. Trump. It, you can capitalize it, but if you buy it, I don't care if you lowercase it or not. Yeah, but money doesn't have to be capital or lowercase. And where do, where can we buy that you book? You can do that at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or bookstores. I think that's fantastic. Ooh, I, gosh. Really glad we talked about that. Yeah, I, this, it's in my, I actually lay out this scam dossier, how this whole process happened. 
Thank you, folks, by the way. I appreciate it. Those of you who bought my book means a lot. But this whole thing was a scam from the start. Where is the media? Again, a few left-leaning outlets are starting to touch it, and I don't think it's because they're trying to do the right thing. I'm using the dreaded air quotes. I'm reasonably confident that they're doing it because they're afraid that the remaining small amount of credibility they have left is about to be destroyed when they realize that the FBI's entire case was based on the equivalent of a piece of, of, of expensive toilet paper. Keep in mind, that's not it. There are two more things that happened to entirely destroy the FBI's case against Trump. And I'm telling you, you're not hearing about it almost anywhere. The dossier has been decimated. Its credibility is over. The other two are just as bad. You know what? I'll get to it on the other side of the break. If I do it now and I start talking, I cut off, you're going to miss it. But I got Congressman Mark Meadows, who's... I love this guy. He is one of the few guys up there uh, who actually like stands up for stuff he believes in. So I got him coming up at uh, 3.30 at the bottom of the hour, so don't miss that. We'll hit him up about this, too. But on the other side of the break, I'll come back with number two and three, why the dossier is total crap. I'm Dan Bongino in for Sean. Give us a call, 800-941-7326. We'll be right Hey, if you're one of 34 million Americans that smokes, you know what a hassle it can be. For me, I'm out playing golf and I come back smelling like cigars. It's the smell on your hands and your breath, your clothes. But now thanks to Juul, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Juul is a vaporizer. It does contain nicotine for a satisfying transition. Now, when I found Juul, it was a complete game changer in my life. I don't smoke any cigars any longer and Juul was designed by smokers for smokers to be an alternative to whatever it is you're smoking. So if you're one of 34 million adults who do smoke cigars, cigarettes, pipe, whatever, well, there is an alternative to all of them. Now, to discover the smoking alternative, that's like nothing you've ever tried. Just visit JUUL.com slash Switch America. That's JUUL.com slash Switch America. Now, warning, this product does contain nicotine, and nicotine is addictive. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, in for Sean. Standing up to do a radio show for the first time in a while. Linda's like, will you just stick to the darn topics? Why are you always trying to say something out of the break? No, in my home studio, uh, Linda, I got to sit down all the time. It drives me crazy. Sitting's the new smoking, you know? You get brain fog, so it's good to stand up. Feels a little more like juicy and in the moment. All right, so I was talking about the dossier and uh, why it sucks before the break. (laughs) That kind of sum it up for you. Three big things happen about this fake Trump dossier. And again, nobody's talking about it. Very few isolated pockets of people mentioned that the FBI's case against Trump entirely fell apart over the weekend. So before the break, I mentioned the Prague story. Done. Finished. Garbage. Over. It's like uh, Marv Albert when he used to, uh, remember when he used to do the Nick games in the fourth quarter when the old crappy Knicks used to be getting smoked? He'd call it extensive garbage time. That's where we are now with the dossier. But another thing happened with the dossier. Two reporters who, listen, let's not mistake these people for conservatives. They are not. I'm not knocking them. They do their thing, whatevs. I do my thing. But two reporters who were knee-deep in this Russian collusion fairy tale hoax, right? Greg Miller from the Washington Post and Michael Isikoff from uh, Yahoo News. They were knee-deep in this scam, scheme, hoax dossier thing. 
Isakov is is just read his name when it, matter of fact one of Isakov's uh, pieces was used as to, to buttress the fact that the information was correct when it wasn't. It was circular. It was a bunch of circular reporting. But these two are both starting to acknowledge now, both Greg Miller from the Washington Post and Isakov, that the dossier to quote Isakov, large portions of it, meaning most of it. In my case, I know all of it outside of the Carter Page going to Russia story, which is nothing illegal about, is, quote, likely false. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, come again? Like, I'm acting this out in the studio because Linda's doing a, a Twitter live thingy right now. That's so right. I, if you want to see Dan Bongino this? right now, you have to go to at Linda Mick and at D Bongino and check it out on Twitter. Yeah, you can see me live acting this out. See me taking a swig of water. It's very important to stay hydrated. Pulling a Marco Rubio on the air. Yeah, my lips are a little chapped. It's annoying. But uh, people tell me I lick my lips too much on the air. It, seriously, it's annoying. People are you like, should be asking them why they're watching you lick your lips. Yeah, you know what? It's a better a question. Point. You know what? I've been getting some strange emails lately. I think I have the answer to that question for you. I have to tell you off the air. I'm not sure we'd pass the FCC rules. So <laughs> these two reporters, they're knee-deep in this. Greg Miller from the Washington Post goes on C-SPAN. Actually, he's on a C-SPAN 2 interview. I think he's in a bookstore. Forgive me for not having the exact uh, dynamic of where he was, but it was a C-SPAN 2 interview. Greg Miller from the Washington Post, who has defended uh, the dossier and, and, and the veracity of it in the past, is in this like bookstore-type atmosphere talking about it, and he acknowledges in this thing that this dossier has a number of problems and a number of holes and can't be authenticated. He's sitting there, like, telling everyone but while supporting this thing in the past that this dossier is probably one big hoax. Even worse, Isakov is starting to come around. After right, he wrote a book himself on this. Forgive me, I don't remember the title. But it was meant to almost, like, you know, to, to, to insinuate that this Russian collusion hoax was real. Even Isakov said that the dossier, most of it's likely false. Folks, do you understand how damaging this is? These are not these are not right leaning guys. Russian roulette. Russian roulette. Yes, that's it. Linda, always good in the clutch. It's like Rusty Staub. Remember Rusty Staub for the Mets pinch hitting? Oh, Rusty always came through. God rest his soul. But something else happened. I got to get this in before the break because I want to talk to Congressman Meadows on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. This show's gonna have a lot of surprises, even for me, because I don't even know what I'm gonna talk about next. Sometimes. So don't dare to change the channel. Watch us on Twitter, too. <laughs> wave to you, little wave. Another thing happened. So Christopher Steele's giving a sworn deposition. A sworn deposition in a case where Christopher Steele, Fusion GPS, is being sued by a Russian bank, Alpha Bank, that's mentioned in the dossier. Follow me. Track me here, because this is important. A Russian bank, Alpha Bank, is mentioned in the dossier. They feel they were defamed because the dossier is a steaming pile of crap. The dossier just sucks. So this Russian bank and their executives have sued Fusion GPS for including their name. Christopher Steele goes and gives a deposition in the case and answers a question. And when asked about what the purpose of the dossier was, he gives the most mind-blowing answer I've heard in the last two years. And you're seeing it again almost nowhere. What does he say? He's like, well, you know, the purpose to the dossier was in case Hillary Clinton's team wanted to challenge the election. Wait, wait, what? Come again? Did I miss that? So now you have this guy who produced this steaming pile of horse manure from his alleged Russian sources, right? 
claiming on the record that he used foreign information from Russian sources to assist Hillary Clinton's team in challenging an election. This is a Joe Pesci bing, pow, boo moment. Good night, dossier. All right, I'm Dan Bongino. We'll be back with Mark Meadows. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, in for Sean. As I told you, an interview I'm really excited to dig right into. Congressman Mark Meadows from North Carolina, a warrior for freedom. Congressman Meadows, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Dan. It's always great to be with you, and and thank you for being a real fighter and not just someone who puts out words and doesn't mean it. Well, listen, you know I think the same. Linda's like, who do you want on the show? I'm like, come on, Meadows. You even have- <laughs> I text her right back. <laughs> we love him. You're the best. So, Congressman, I, I want to take a, a use of your time. I only got about uh, maybe 15 minutes with you. So I want to start. I want to hit a couple things. I want to get to the wall. But before I get to that, you have been all over this. You and Congressman Jordan, who I, who I have enormous respect for as well, you guys have been all over this case, the dossier, the whole Spygate debacle, everything on it. Uh this week, we had some just stunning revelations about this. The fact that, uh, as I discussed in the, in the prior segment, that Lanny Davis has now come out and said Michael Cohen's never been to Prague, which is a key component of the dossier. We now even have Washington Post and Yahoo News reporters who were knee-deep in this, you know, the collusion hoax is real thing, uh, now starting to acknowledge that the dossier was likely false. And then we had this stunning admission by Christopher Steele, Congressman, uh, that the whole purpose of the dossier was to challenge the election in the event that Hillary lost. You know, is this going anywhere on Capitol Hill outside of you and, and Congressman Nunes and, and, and Congressman Jordan? Well, I can tell you that the American people hear it. But here's what, what I find fascinating is we have looked at so much of this stuff, Dan, and and for Director Comey to have amnesia when he comes in, for all of these people that come before the congressional committees, and all of a sudden they seem to forget the whole narrative that is the backdrop. There was no Russia collusion. You've said it. I've said it. And quite frankly, there's no proof in it. There was more wrong with the dossier than was right. The only thing that was accurate on the dossier is the fact that Russia is a country. And <laughs> yes, I mean, yes. you know, we, stunning we breaking news. Congressman you know. Meadows, Russia is a country. Right. There was nothing. This thing was garbage. But, Congressman, what bothers me about it is that the number two with the FBI, Andrew McCabe, since uh, terminated from the FBI, has already acknowledged that this case would not have existed without it. So, I mean, just putting this simply, the entire investigation into Donald Trump was based on a big hoax, and it's now obvious. Well, it's a $12 million hoax. And so here, here's the real problem. If we have come to a point in America where somebody can use millions of dollars to create a false document to start an investigation that leads to a special prosecutor that ultimately undermines the legitimacy of a president – or at least that's their effort in this. Uh, we, we've gotten to a bad place in our country where, where we're allowing this to happen and for it to really stain the credibility of, of the vast majority of the good men and women that serve in the FBI and yeah. DOJ, only because a few people at yeah. the very top allowed it to happen. Yeah, and, and Congressman, I'm glad you said that because I get emails a lot and people will say to me, having been a former federal agent myself, they'll say, you know, well, why do you defend the rank and file of the FBI? So one, because I work with them and I think they're terrific. But secondly, as you well know, 
This case was not investigated at the field office levels. It was kept in this small group at the upper level management, people who clearly um, just didn't do the right thing. So I'm glad you made that distinction. Speaking of the upper management, though, I've been meaning to ask you this question for a while. Jim Comey said something I believe to be outrageous and ridiculous in these closed-door settings. The transcripts have been released. He claims to be, and I'm being generous here, unsure and not to know the origins of the dossier. Do you believe him? Well, I, of course I don't believe him. I don't even think he believes himself. You know, when you really, uh, upon cross-examination, you, you all of a sudden start to see that the, the very fabric of his argument starts to un, unravel. And, and listen, if, if I, a member of North, from North Carolina, that d- does not have the investigative talent of the FBI or DOJ, can figure out who paid for it, when his chief counsel, James Baker, actually knew that the dossier was paid for by the Democrats, how could he not know it, it's, you know it's, it's an excuse that really doesn't pass the muster? Yeah, I agree. I think it's an outrageous statement. I mean, I've said re- repeatedly on, on both talk radio and cable news appearances that Jim Comey's job, Congressman, was to know the origins of the dossier. That's what they do. And, I, you know, it, I'm not trying to defend Jim Comey, but just because it was a political document doesn't mean it's not true. But that's why the FBI, under Comey's leadership, was supposed to verify the information, which they clearly wouldn't do. My last question on this, I want to move to the wall because you've been a real uh, stalwart for freedom on that one, too. But uh, my last question on this, do you think anything is going to happen um, to Jim Comey? And when I, when I say I'm talking about maybe administrative sanctions by the FBI or elsewhere, and the reason I bring it up is there's an obvious paper trail here. We have this Woods procedure where they have to verify information in the FISA court. It creates a clear trail here. Now we know, you and I know, they did not verify it. They didn't. They may have tried, but, you know, this is like do or do not, no try, like Yoda. Uh, If they didn't verify it and swore to it in a court, do you think there'll be any kind of penalties for Comey um, in the future? I don't know that there will be penalties for Comey in the future on the FISA abuse side of things, which is the the toughest part of this for you and I is when you violate somebody's Fourth Amendment rights and you uh, use the Constitution against them, not for them. That's the biggest problem where there should be accountability. I do think that Director Comey has some real exposure when it comes to leaks to the media, what he knew, what he didn't know, what he authorized and didn't authorize, and part of that is based on testimony that he's given to some committees saying that he wasn't involved in that, and yet there seems to be a plethora of information that would indicate uh, just the opposite. Yeah, the leaks are a trouble. I mean, we know we know there's one clear felony in the case, and that's the felony leak of Mike Flynn's name to David Ignatius of the Washington Post. That's an actual crime. We don't know who did it yet, uh, but we know that happened. But uh, let me move on uh, and take use of your time here on the wall issue. This is, uh, uh, listen, this is the signature issue for a lot of the MAGA crowd out there. Folks like myself who support this president, um, I think he's been doing a great job. I, I think he's, you know, there are obviously a lot of headwinds. We've had this uh, hoax investigation and a bunch of, you know, recalcitrant Democrats who don't want to get anything done and give him a victory on this. But this is a key moment, Congressman. I think you and I both both see the writing on the wall here. Um, he has got to stand fast on this funding. I see you're pushing it, this $5 billion for the wall. You're standing fast on it. Do you, do you think this is going to happen? Or is Chuck Schumer telling us the truth when he says, listen, I'll shut down the government uh, forever over this thing. I'm not giving you your money for the wall. 
Well, he's not going to give money for the wall unless uh, what we see is some kind of amnesty deal that he agrees to. It's all going to be on Chuck and Nancy's terms right now, and I, that's why I'm fighting. I believe the fight is today. Uh, I think the president is being very poorly served. Anybody who is telling him to sign this short-term uh, continuing resolution, which is the funding bill, and push it into February when – Nancy Pelosi becomes a speaker. How is that supposed to increase our odds of getting the the wall? I can tell you he's he's being poorly served. He's been poorly served by our leadership. They told him last week they didn't have enough people here uh, to pass a straight funding bill with wall funding, that $5 billion. Well, they had enough people to pa- pass a farm bill without work requirements. They had enough Republicans there. Uh, we, had, we had more than – than 17 uh, uh, majority Republicans that could have voted for it. And what did leadership tell the president? Oh, well, we don't have enough to pass it. I can tell you the president needs to veto this. Hopefully he will. Uh, I'm not optimistic based on the advice that he's getting that he will. And sadly, we'll be sitting here in February uh, with Chuck and Nancy with big smiles on their face, knowing that they've got the president uh, by the short hairs. You know, Congressman, what, what is wrong? With the Republican Party, you know, I tweeted out last night, I was on a plane, I was landing, and I was watching a segment on Fox, and the election results came up. And listen, it wasn't a good election. I mean, everybody can say that. Now we did okay in the Senate. Uh, we didn't. Beca- I think we could have done better. A couple of seats we could have won. The Congress, was a, it, was a, it was a wash. We, we got crushed, right. and we need to all say that. But what I was thinking in my head and what I tweeted out is, you ever notice the Democrats lose elections when they actually implement their agenda? Like Obama implements Obamacare, tax hikes, regulatory reform, and the Democrat Party outside of Obama is completely wiped out. They had the lowest power they've had since 1928 collectively across the country. So when the Democrats win, America loses. But when the Republicans lose elections, they, they lose elections because they don't implement their agenda. How do the leaders... They, I think this is what rank-and-file working Americans with dirt under their fingernails who lace up work boots and actually do stuff outside of this insulated D.C. bubble of elitists, you not included, I love you to death. But don't they understand that the reason nobody showed up to vote for them is precisely because they punted on everything? You got, we got the tax cuts, and that was it. They punted. Uh, they tried on Obamacare, but we couldn't get it through. This is why they lose. Why are they repeating this failed strategy? This wall has to happen. Well, they they have a bad case of Potomac fever, which makes them believe everybody here in Washington, D.C., and no one back home. And I can tell you, you and I don't have Potomac fever. We're listening to, to the grassroots each and every day. And you know what? They've had enough of it. They would rather allow the Democrats to take control than have Republicans who are going to disappoint them. And you know what? I can't blame them. Yeah, I mean, we've just become, a, a, it seems, a party. And again, it's not everyone. You got you, you got Jim Jordan, Devin Nunes. You, there are good people up there. You know, Mike Lee, uh, Rand Paul, people who believe, and even people, you know, sometimes I disagree with, but I know a principal, Justin Amash being one of them. I don't agree with him on everything, but listen, <laughs> you can't deny the guy stands for what he stands for, right? But we have these other, these congressmen and congresswomen in our party that go up there and they sell us the world and they go up there and they do nothing. The only people I see speaking out about the key issues issues right now spending this this spying disaster on the trump team this dossier thing the wall are this same pocket of guys every time you jordan every single time it's just frustrating and i you know i'm glad you get it i just wish others would out there up on the hill 
Well, thank you for speaking out to Dan. And, and listen, without you being willing to, to really step in and say it forcefully and directly, we wouldn't be able to, to – uh, take the the message to the American people. And so Jim Jordan and Devin Nunes and myself and, and a lot of the other guys in the Freedom Caucus are willing to stand in and fight the fight, help this president make sure that the MAGA agenda gets accomplished. Hopefully he won't get infected with Potomac fever like everybody else here. <laughs> yeah, let's hope he's gay. he took his vaccine. Congressman, one quick exit question. I'm sorry, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this. Um, What's the potential for a declassification of the documents both you, Congressman Nunes, and Jim Jordan have been asking for? Uh, The FISA documents, 302s, the McCabe memos. Um, Do you see this being declassified by President Trump anytime soon? I do see it being declassified primarily uh, once some of these individuals, General Flynn, Papadopoulos, et cetera, are uh, where the case is closed, uh, I think he will actually declassify it at that point. It will tell the rest of the story, which will be shocking to the American people. And quite frankly, uh, they'll start to understand what a number of us have been fighting for for many, many months. Yeah, I can't wait for that day. Uh, and for all the wrong reasons, I just wish we weren't having this conversation. I think you and I both agree that we take uh, absolutely no joy in this at all. This happened under our names and the greatest country on earth is just a a darn shame. Congressman, I just want to humbly and respectfully ask too that you just keep doing what you're doing. You know, people are listening. I'm listening. Other people out there I know are hearing what you're saying and I don't want you to think what you're saying is falling on deaf ears, man. You know, we're not waiting for any other leaders. We got them now, but it's you and Congressman Jordan and you've got uh, America's back and we've got yours too. So thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. You're a good man. Dan, thanks so much. We appreciate you. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas. All right, that was Congressman Mark Meadows. You know, they're not all bad, folks. We got a few good warriors up there, and we got to back them up uh, when we find them. All right, I'm Dan Bongino. with for Sean Hannity. Want to give us a call? 1-800-941-7326. It's 1-800-941-7326. We'll be right back. We're having a little too much fun in this studio. It should be illegal. We shouldn't even get paid for today. You know what? I don't want to get paid. Don't even pay me. Seriously, I don't want it. I don't even want it. I'm going to return it back. We've had a good year. I'm Dan Bongino. It for Sean Hannity. At the Bongino on Twitter if you want to send me some hate mail or whatever. And I'm what cool about that that, uh, that book? Oh, the book. Yes, I wrote a book, too, if you want to check it out. Entirely debunking the scam against Donald Trump. Please check it out. It's a great book. We were a bestseller thanks to you. Spygate, the attempted sabotage of Donald Trump with uh, D.C. McAllister and Matt Palumbo. And this uh, time, write it with a small S. It's a small. I wrote it in like a little like Cyrillic kind of type, and sometimes people see it on. And they're like, what does that really say? Spygate? Yes, it does. So check it out. I'd really appreciate it. I think you'll like it. We eviscerate this entire case against Trump. That's what we've been talking about. You guys have an ice maker in here? Yes, we do. Folks, Sometimes not, things get hot in here. That, yeah, apparently. That is not me ma- in making bodily noises on here. That's the ice maker in the back. I'm like, what is okay, that? Okay, first of all, Did that you hear sound that? does not go through the microphone. It doesn't? No. Wait, wait. Can we get this microphone <laughs> oh over there? Okay, is there a way to get a portable mic by the ice? This thing is making funny sounds. The best part the is that I always forget it's in there because Sean loves ice. So we got him an ice machine last year for Christmas. And the first day it was in there, it was making all this noise. It sounds like it's someone burping. Dude, Sean lost his mind. He goes, what is that? (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's your Christmas present. He He goes, are you joking? Why why is there ice? What is he doing? Like, is he icing his knuckles or something? He eats it. Oh, to keep, like, the mouth and stuff uh, wet? You know, when you talk as fast as Sean Hannity does, sometimes you need a little ice. Listen, he knows a lot of tricks. He's been doing this for a long time. You like that? How I'm not even going to miss the break? You're amazing. You like that? I'm not even used to your clock. Listen, if you did a ninja move right now, you would just wipe Sean off the (laughs) mouth. Matt, forget about it. 
doing a couple uppercuts. All right, folks, I do have to take a break. I'm Dan Bongino for Sean Hannity. Don't miss it. Greg Jarrett, Doug Schoen, coming up. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino, at Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Sean. If you'd like to give us a call, 800-941-7326. With me now, David Schoen, civil, liber- civil liberties, excuse me, attorney, and Greg Jarrett, Greg, author of a monster bestseller, a must-read, The Russia Hoax. If you haven't read it, I've read the book, excuse me, you are not as informed on this issue as you think you could be. So, Greg, uh, David, thanks so much for joining uh, me here. We really appreciate it. Uh, Greg, let me go to you first. So we had a pretty astounding weekend regarding the dossier, Greg, which you've thoroughly uh, exposed in your book and the... In the uh, the, the machinations behind it. Uh, the Prague story's fallen apart. Uh, Michael Isikoff, the uh, Yahoo News reporter who was uh, one of the uh, guys advancing the dossier at one point, has acknowledged components of it are likely false. Uh, we've had a, a sworn deposition from Christopher Steele acknowledging that it was likely used to uh, fight back against the results of the election for Hillary Clinton. I, I mean, Greg, how is this not front-page news all across America? Because the mainstream media, Dan, doesn't want it to be. They only want to print and perpetuate uh, anti-Trump stories. uh, But anything else, to the contrary, anything that that might be supportive of Trump, they bury it uh, or they don't print it at all. And, And you're right, the dossier. Look at the allegations in the dossier. Cohen's trip to Prague. Turns out it never took place. Carter Page, large stake in a Russian company. Turns out it never happened. Uh, the Trump tape in a hotel room in Moscow, non-existent. Uh, other compromising information in the 17 memos of the dossier, absolutely zero. It never happened. Trump Tower meeting in Moscow, a sweetheart deal. No evidence of that. Uh, the dossier claimed that Manafort was a mastermind of collusion and the WikiLeaks uh, documents. Turns out that's not true either. No evidence. And yet James Comey and his Confederates used this to lie to a FISA judge, deceive the court, and spy on the Trump campaign. If anybody uh, committed wrongdoing or acts of illegality, it's Comey and the others. Yeah. Spot on, Greg. Uh, David, from your perspective as a civil liberties attorney, um, it's clear there have been violations here. I mean, Comey himself has acknowledged at a minimum uh, that even basic things like the interview of Mike Flynn were not according to standard operating procedure that in a, a standard transition in an administration, they probably would have notified White House counsel before sending agents to interview Flynn. But that's kind of, and I'm not alleging there's nothing illegal about that, maybe improper, which I'd argue, but it's not illegal. The FBI is under no legal obligation to notify you to get an attorney unless it's a custodial um, interview, and and it's still your choice. But one of the things I want to ask you, David, is the FISA court was clearly lied to at this point, clearly lied to. It's clear as day from Greg's book, The Russia Hoax, uh, and, and other people out there have been doing investigative reporting on this, that information that made it into the FISA court where people raised their right, right hand and swore to it was clearly inaccurate. Where are, where's the court on this, David? What are we missing? Why isn't the court system more upset about this? Yeah, Dan, you're right on. And, and you're also right that Greg details many, or if not all, of the crimes in this thing. And I want to I just back up one step. You, know, you mentioned about Comey a minute ago. Your blog today says it all. When you say Comey doesn't care who, the, uh, where, who paid for the dossier, that really sums it up. His arrogance, and as far as the mainstream media not covering it, that's what Comey 
that's what all of these folks have banked on. And that's what's happening with the FISA memo. It's a great question. Where's the court on this? Because the court, sua sponte, could on its own, could uh, convene a hearing. They have an appellate division, could convene a hearing. And Judge Collier, frankly, should have. You know, she laid it off when she's gotten letters to the court. They're all on their website, on the court's website, asking for certain documents. She said, listen, the executive branch is free to give you all of these documents. Another reason we've suggested many times that all of these things should be declassified. But make is a great one. This is the most secretive court in the country right. um, and the most intrusive valence. We can't afford to have one lie there. Their own rules, Rule 13 of FISA court, requires them, if there's any material omission or misstatement in anything filed, to immediately correct it. They have never done it. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it. And, and Greg, what your book, by the way, is is really the uh, authoritative book on the malfeasance at the FBI. Uh, the detail laid out in this upper management cabal that manages cases is extraordinary. So I wanted to throw this one to you here. Jim Comey has said something in his in his recent uh, testimony up on Capitol Hill, not under oath, which is uh, ironic at this point. Uh, and Comey emphasized that this is not under oath, right? Um Comey said something so ridiculous, I'm having a hard time believing that even left-leaning outlets who may have supported him in the past aren't questioning him on this. How could he possibly not know the origins of the dossier, Greg? The guy had one job, which was to verify and authenticate the sources in this. How could he not know? This, is, this isn't believable. It, you know, his amnesia is quite literally, as you say, unbelievable. He can't recall who drafted the document that launched the Trump-Russia investigation. Claims he never knew his FBI director that Clinton or Fusion GPS or the Democratic National Committee were all responsible for the Trump dossier. Bruce Ro- Orr and his role, quote, I don't know anything about that. Uh, Comey testified he hardly knew anything about Christopher Steele, uh, who composed the phony dossier. Didn't know when the FBI fired Steele for lying. Uh, My guess is that Comey is either the most incompetent uh, and clueless director of the FBI ever, or he's lying. My guess is he's lying. Uh, Greg, I could not agree with you more on this. And, David, I'll throw this one to you. But uh, on this front, uh, just before I get to you, David, there's no option C here. Either he, as you just said, he is clearly either incompetent in the most impactful uh, counterintelligence investigation in modern U.S. history, failed to do his due diligence, or he's lying. I couldn't agree more. There's no option C. But, David, as from your experience as an attorney here, there's an actual procedure to authenticate this information before it goes into the FISA court. Uh, the Woods procedure, uh, it, it follows the parallel tracks in the DOJ and the FBI, and the purpose of it is to avoid a star chamber-like atmosphere. The FISA court's a secret court. There were some protections built in. One of those protections was this information is going to be vetted along multiple channels uh, at multiple levels, horizontally and vertically within the DOJ and the FBI. Again, and kind of a similar question to why isn't the FISA court speaking out? There's got to be some paper trail, David, somewhere showing the steps they took to verify this dossier and where they blew it. Uh, No, am I wrong on this? No, you're 100 percent right. And that's the most important part of this process in a regular 
uh, warrant, search or seizure warrant. That's the most important part of the process. With a FISA court, it's by far the most important. Listen, if the court's not going to do any on its own, I honestly believe that Carter Page ought to file a motion to intervene. Um, he's an aggrieved party because he's picked up uh, – he's a target of this uh, surveillance. I think he should file a motion to intervene in the FISA court and demand immediate review and discovery and perhaps a contempt motion uh, to bring this thing to the fore once and for all in the FISA court. Greg, let me ask you this. There's um, there's uh, some talk out there that there were multiple FISAs. We know there was a FISA on Carter Page, again, documented in your book, The Russia Hoax. Folks, I can't recommend it enough. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a must read. Uh, you can't understand this case without it. There were there's talk out there that there were up to four FISAs in this case. Again, we know about the FISA on Carter Page. That's been well documented. Was there a FISA out there, Do you, based on the information out there? I know where I stand. Liz, you think there could have been a FISA out there on Mike Flynn? Well, I've, I've been trying to get to the bottom of this. I do believe there was more than the four successive FISAs on Carter Page. Um, I think they were spying on others. Uh, and may have used the FISA court uh, for a, a warrant application for that purpose. If so, they've done a fabulous job of covering it up and keeping it secret. Uh, but I, I have to think that it was more than Carter Page, that there were others that they uh, were spying on, uh, and we just don't know it yet. And, you know, I, I wish we could do as David said, uh, the only person who can order the FISA court to hold a show-cause hearing in contempt is uh, Chief Justice John Roberts of the U.S. Supreme Court. He's in charge of the FISA court. He appoints all 12 members of the FISA court, and only he can direct the presiding judge to hold a hearing to get to the bottom of this. You know, it worries me, Greg, because fidelity to the Constitution and the rule of law requires us all to buy into the system. Um, and one of the things that's, that bothers me, and I think bothers all you know American patriots who love this country out there, is they, they they see these clear abuses of the system, and it appears it appears now that justice is blind, but only blind to Democrats. It it appears that they got away with it. Hey, uh, can I hold you guys over? Would you mind hanging for the ne- for the sure. next segment? All right, great. Lindis <laughs> like they'll hang up. Well, let me ask him just to be sure. All right, I'm talking to David Schoen, civil liberties attorney, and Greg Jarrett, author of the great books, a great book, The Russia Hoax and Fox News Legal Analyst. We'll be right back on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino in for Sean. If you want to give us a call, 800-941-7326. We're talking to David Schoen, civil liberties attorney, and Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst and author of The Russia Hoax. Um, David, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Mike Flynn yesterday, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't get a get a, a from, from two attorneys, get a solid opinion on this one. So the sentencing hearing yesterday, slightly bizarre. I think that may be understatement of the year. You know, I'm working out in the gym trying to watch this thing, listening on Sirius XM, and I'm sitting here like, what the heck is going on? It appeared to me at one point um, that just a, a, a grave mistake was made by Judge Sullivan, who used the word treason and appeared to have screwed up the dates where Mike Flynn was doing some work for the government of Turkey uh, with his employment date at the White House. I mean, this is a grave error that had made it around the entire liberal media ecosystem um, before, you know, the judge even had a chance to correct it. Um, it, it, Have you ever seen anything like this in a sentencing hearing like yesterday? 
Not at all. And, uh, you know, I've been to many. Uh, it was bizarre. He was right, and he was absolutely wrong what he said, and he eventually apologized. I think there are a couple of stories going here. One is, you know, we've seen from two major immigration decisions, Judge Sullivan is certainly a very respected judge, but you've seen a very, very strong Trump um, bias or at least position uh, with respect to immigration and a sense of outrage that he's shown. Yesterday he showed that outrage again, and he may just be grouping General in, in what he considers to be sort of the administration. I also think, though, that his lawyer made a mistake. Flynn decided a while ago, um, I, I've said from the start that I thought never should have entered the plea and should have yeah. withdrawn it. That's yeah. easy to say. His family was under pressure, and so he uh, lost everything. So it's very easy to say from the outside. Once he made this decision to fully create, the government owned him, and he's owned by a member, members of the Mueller team that are vicious, unscrupulous, and unethical. They own him. So for the lawyer at the end of this memo that he filed to throw in the bit about the government misconduct, which is clear misconduct, um, one has to wonder what his theory of the case was and what his end game was there. Yeah. All right. We're having some trouble with your audio there, David. Greg, I'll go to you on Flynn. Uh, does he have any legal recourse here, Greg? I mean, it was clear yesterday, although we had that unfortunate moment with the treason word getting thrown out there, which, yes, he did correct. I want to be clear on that, Judge Sullivan, that is. Um, it also appeared when questioning the special counsel, Greg, that he was questioning the origins of the case in and of itself, asking them, well, why were you even interviewing Mike Flynn? What is the predicate crime? And they responded uh, hilariously, I might add, with this Logan Act nonsense. I mean, a crime that has never been successfully charged since uh, 1799, since it was written up. Does Flynn have any legal recourse if, I'm not suggesting I don't have any inside info here, but if he were to change his mind and say, you know what, I want to fight this at this point. Well, he has two options. One, he can withdraw his plea and fight it, which I've recommended all along because Mueller couldn't possibly win his case in front of a jury. You'd have to show that Flynn's statements to the FBI agents were knowingly and willfully false. Uh, A failed recollection doesn't satisfy that legal standard. So Mueller couldn't possibly win. So that's option number one. Option number two is to challenge the judge for bias. And there's a rich record from yesterday that demonstrates uh, the judge's bias. He was oblivious to the facts of the case, oblivious to the law, and ended up retracting his statements and apologizing and saying, I I feel terrible for uttering those words. He should. Uh, But those words matter, and the liberal media, of course, focused entirely on those words, which the the judge withdrew. Uh, and But they do exhibit a bias on the part of the judge, and he should not now be presiding over any further proceedings associated with Michael Flynn. Yeah, I agree, Greg. It was really unfortunate. David, I got about a minute left. Uh, last question. I appreciate your patience, both of you staying on the phone with me here. Uh, with this case, if this were to go to trial, say, for instance, Mike Flynn decides, I'm withdrawing my plea. I am not going to plead guilty to this. There was no knowing and willing component. I just misremembered, whatever it may be. Given the 302s that are now out there in the public, the interview summaries of Flynn's interview, where he says a couple of times, yeah, you know, good reminder. Thanks for reminding me. There were multiple conversations. He's like, well, I don't really remember, he says in one case. Uh, I, I think this case is open and shut for Flynn. I can't imagine these FBI agents on the stand saying, yes, we agreed he wasn't lying. Well, you're charging with lying. I mean, this seems like an open and shut case for Flynn. 
I think that's right, except that we don't know what went on in the debriefings, because remember, he has a cooperation agreement that allows them, if he ever challenges uh, their theory of the case in any way, not just tries to withdraw his plea, even challenged it. They allow them to, the government Mueller team, to use any statements that he's made. And that's statements that they characterize. Because remember, these meetings with him aren't recorded. So if you have two members or one member of the Mueller team that says, no, Flynn actually further admitted this and admitted that, then they can use that evidence now against Flynn. Listen, what I would say is this. If you look at the transcript from Comey before Congress, there are about a dozen times at least in which he can Yeah, be David, I'm sorry I got to run. I'm up against a hard break, but thanks a lot, David Show and Greg Jarrett. I really appreciate your patience. I'm Dan Bongino in for Sean Hattie. We'll be right back. <laughs> I'm Dan Bongino in for Sean Hattie. I can't do as good of a Bob Grant uh, as Hattie. I can't even do as good of a Hannity as I could do a Bob Grant. That was pretty good. I didn't know he did impression, Sean. That, that's pretty solid right there. I'm at Bongino on Twitter if you want to send me messages, uh, compliments, criticisms, whatever. If you want to give us a call, 1-800-941-7326. All right, I wanted to get back to uh, Jim Comey because this is critical. He has been up on Capitol Hill um, doing one of two things. Comey's either been advertising uh, his ignoramus status as the worst and least competent uh, FBI director in the history of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or he's been up on Capitol Hill lying his butt off. There, there's no option C. We had Greg Jarrett and uh, David Schoen on before, and we, we brought up this point. There is, There's simply no option C here. Comey has entirely discredited himself. Let me bring up something you may have missed. A lot of everybody you work for a living, you got your kids' soccer games, you're cooking dinner, you got things going on. You may have missed this. But Comey said something about a meeting, and if you put two and two together here, you kind of start to get the picture about what Comey, the FBI, and the DOJ higher-ups involved in this cabal to hit the Trump team were hiding. Folks, I've said from the beginning, whether it's in, in my book or you know, if you read other people's books on this uh, Spygate debacle, one of the things they're hiding in this case is they're not through the, this will make sense in a second with the relationship to Comey. Don't worry, I'm not going to lose you. One of the things the swamp, the liberal cabal, you know, the media folks interested in protecting the imagery of the, you know, the liberal, uh, liberal wing of the party. One of the things they're hiding is not Hillary Clinton's email scandal. They're not protecting Hillary anymore. You're probably like, what? What do you mean? Of course the media is protecting Hillary. No, no, they're hiding the, the, the intricacies, a lot of these liberals of the email scandal and the swamp rats. But it's not to protect Hillary. That story got some coverage. What they're really hiding is the role of someone else in Hillary's email scandal. And Jim Comey outed a lot of it yesterday. They're hiding the role of Barack Obama. Remember, folks, we now know that Barack Obama emailed Hillary on her private email. How do we know that? Because Hillary Clinton never used the government email. So we know the Hillary Clinton email case, by its very nature, implicates Barack Obama when he was the president. We know that. This is not in dispute. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's not an X-Files fairy tale. This actually happened. Barack Obama is knee-deep in this Hillary Clinton email scandal. So Comey is up on the Hill yesterday, and Comey talks about this meeting with higher-ups on June 27th of 2016, the FBI higher-ups. 
And he's questioned by Congressman John Radcliffe about what happened at that meeting. Of course, he gives kind of a, a, a loosey-goosey answer. You can never nail him down on specifics. But the reason I bring up the, ju- the uh, excuse me, June 27, 2016 meeting is because something else happens on June 27, 2016. I won't leave you in suspense. Don't worry. That's the day of the Loretta Lynch, Bill Clinton, just by chance, tarmac meeting, the infamous tarmac meeting. Now, Ratcliffe tries to pin him down and ask him, you know, were these two things related? Of course, Comey can't give a straight answer. They're trying to disconnect these two things. But something interesting happens three days later. Now, I'm just giving you the timeline. You do with the timeline what you want. The timeline is a fact. Obviously, I was not in these meetings, but I find it awfully coincidental that on the same day, Bill Clinton, just by chance, happens to run into the attorney general for Barack Obama, Loretta Lynch, while his wife is under investigation for this email scandal and is getting intense media scrutiny. On the same day, there's a meeting with the FBI, Jim Comey, and some higher-ups. And then three days later, after that June 27, 2016 meeting, something happens. Well, what happens? The draft of the speech Jim Comey's about to give on July 5th. Remember the speech? You all remember, right? When he got up on television, laid out this beautiful case against Hillary Clinton, and then ends the speech on TV saying, yeah, but no you know, reasonable prosecutor would prosecute this case. And we were all left uh, sitting there like, wait, wait, what? Did I miss something? Comey laid out an entirely prosecutable case in that July 5th speech and then ends it by injecting his own opinion into it, saying no reasonable prosecutor would prosecute it. Was, it, was, it was a strange moment. I was sitting there thinking Comey was laying out this elegant case, and all of a sudden he does the dipsy-doo flipperoo, throws a curveball, and says, nah, no reasonable prosecutor would take this case. That speech. That speech happens on July 5th. The tarmac meeting, June 27, 2016. The FBI meeting, uh, June 27, 2016. June 30th, three days after this meeting at FBI headquarters in the Loretta Lynch-Bill Clinton meeting, the draft of that July 5th speech is changed. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. What's it changed from? In the original speech, because now we know, because we've seen the drafts now, the original speech mentions emails to Barack Obama from a on while Mrs. Clinton was on a foreign adversary soil. You have that? Yeah. Yeah, can play that. Do you mind? Finally, with respect to our recommendation to the Department of Justice, in our system, the prosecutors make the decisions about whether charges are appropriate based on evidence that the FBI helps collect. Although we don't normally make public our recommendations to the prosecutors, we frequently make recommendations and engage in productive conversations with prosecutors about what resolution may be appropriate given the evidence. In this case, Given the importance of the matter, I think unusual transparency is in order. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations, into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case 
that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. Okay, Comey's just making that up. Hillary Clinton's own emails, she was asking people to strip out the classified markings. Comey's just making that up. But I believe with every little fiber of my decaying human soul right now, I say decaying because at 44, I know I'm not that old, but I feel really old. I believe Jim Comey is 100% covering for Barack Obama. Because remember, the Hillary email case implicates Barack Obama. You want Barack Obama on the stand in a trial where where guilty is sin, in my opinion. Hillary Clinton's up there trying to defend herself on these email charges that she released classified information in an unauthorized manner. Folks, Obama was knee deep in this thing. Now, even worse. Comey, who was not under oath, I want to remind you how he gets a pass on getting under oath and getting sworn in. I don't know. But Comey, who is not under oath, said in the hearing also that Hillary Clinton, during her interview about the email scandal, was not asked about the Obama email. He wasn't asked? How was she not asked? I don't get that. That's like walking into a bar and ordering like a moosey. Remember moosey, that non-alcoholic beer? You don't go in a bar for moosey. You get the beer. You go, you get, go for the green grenades, the Heinekens or whatever. You don't go into an interview with Hillary Clinton and not ask if she emailed the president of the United States. You think there may be some sensitive info in there? Hey, I'm just saying. So you're, you're, let me get this straight. To the FBI guys who went in there and interviewed Hillary Clinton, you're interviewing her about the potential, the potential dissemination of, of massive troves of classified information through her private unsecured email server, Right. This is what you're asking her about. And you're not concerned at the fact that she may have emailed the president of the United States. What do you think they were talking about? Hot yoga? What? What? See, you believe this story? Oh, we were talking about the kid's wedding. You weren't talking about the kid's wedding. We need that drop from uh, uh, Vince Vaughn. From what is it? Wedding crashes? Erroneous. Erroneous on all counts. <laughs> Can someone please find that? We need Vince Vaughn right now. This is insane. You don't ask Hillary about emails to Obama? This is like Looney Tunes time. He, Jim Comey said that. Now, I listen, I know liberals listen to this show. I know it. I know it because I see sometimes these crazy websites that go after everything Sean said. Sean said he eats hamburgers. He can't say he eats hamburgers. Sean, hey, oh my gosh. Because they're, they're nuts. They love that. I don't listen Erroneous. to liberal shows. Yes, Erroneous. again, one more time. Erroneous. Yes, erroneous. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> my favorite sound drop ever. I love it. I know you liberals are listening. So I'm going to answer your questions for you. I know what you're thinking right now. The media matters, Looney Tunes, and all your, you know, I know you're in the basement with the s'mores, probably got the internet porn going. I get it. I know what you do, right? You're thinking right now, well, Obama didn't know. Obama didn't know Hillary's email. Really? Because, see, I remember, like, working in the White House and doing this kind of stuff. Let me just walk you through how this works. I, I know you're really dopey at times, and you have a tough time, but if I take it slow, maybe you'll figure it out. The president has a BlackBerry. 
The BlackBerry does not receive emails from every Tom, Dick, and Harry out there. Why? Liberals, I get it. I know you don't. This is really hard to comprehend. But the president of the United States cannot get emails from like, uh, you know, these these Trojan horse emails that are going to infect this BlackBerry and the whole White House system. So there's a white list. A list of emails from people in the White House, obviously, and from friends of his that he gives to WACA, the White House Communication Agency, or his staff does, and says, hey, these are good. These are whitelist emails, right? Hillary Clinton's email had to be on there, folks. It had to be on there. It was a private email. It wasn't a government email. Somebody had to vet this. Now do you see what these people are hiding? Obama and his staff have to be involved in this. They have to. Somebody had to tell Waka with that BlackBerry or that device, however Obama read his emails. Somebody had to let that email in. This is what they're hiding. I'm telling you, they don't care about Hillary anymore. They don't. The, the, the Clintons are done. They're doing that book tour, and it's like on Groupon. for like They'll pay you to show up. The tickets were like $1,000. Now you show up on Groupon, and the Clintons give you $1,000. It's like, here, here's a book and a $1,000 ticket for Toys R Us. Well, Toys R Us out of business. You go to Target or something. Go buy your kids Christmas presents. The Clintons are done. Nobody's protecting the Clintons anymore. Even liberals aren't protecting the Clintons anymore. Even liberal newspapers are writing like, all right, Clintons, time to go. Exit stage left. Thanks, fellas and ladies. Thank you. Have a nice day. It's Obama they're protecting. He is knee-deep in this. And to the libs listening, because, again, I know facts, data. I know you've been immunized at an early age against that stuff. I know it's hard. Challenge what I'm saying. I dare you. Tweet tweet me back at D. Bongino. Tell me Barack Obama didn't despite the fact that it's already out there and publicly disclosed, didn't have email communications with Hillary Clinton on that private email. Tell me that that original draft of Jim Comey's speech didn't say that. Tell me Barack Obama, when asked about it in a media interview, didn't say, oh, I learned about it in the media, Hillary's email. Really? You emailed her. You emailed her on the email. How did you miss that? You know, Michelle Obama said the other day, you know, I'm in the room with a lot of smart people, but they're, they're really not all that bright. Uh, well, Barack Obama thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. How did he not figure out that a non-government email wasn't a government email? I mean, he taught at Harvard, right? Why are you covering for him? Inquiring minds want to know. See, I'm all fired up. I was just calmed down. Everything was nice, nice, right? One outside. Erroneous. That's my favorite. I need that. I need that in my life. I also need a Ma Where's the Ma the Meatloaf drop. If you can find. Yeah. Ma, the Meatloaf. You can't do a show without the Meatloaf. If you don't have the Meatloaf, it's not a Dan Bongino show. I'm sorry. I I I like Vince Vaughn better than Pharrell, though, because Vaughn is at least a libertarian. I I love, love, love Vince Vaughn. You can't beat him. But the Ma the Meatloaf line's a classic, though. Is he Chaz? Is he Chaz Will Ferrell in a movie? That's it, baby. Chaz, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, folks. Dan Bongino, I'm the worst of these pop culture references. That's why I have to ask. I'll be back with the other side of break. If you want to give us a call, 800-941-7326. That's 800-941-7326. We'll be right back. Where are we going with this? Folks, it's totally by surprise. If no got a little surprise for you. A little Christmas <laughs> surprise. Oh. Hey, Ma! <laughs> we got some meatloaf! <laughs> you know what? I will have some meatloaf. Let's have some meatloaf. You want some? Yes! Get the meatloaf! Hey, Mom! <laughs> the meatloaf! <laughs> yes! This is why I love this show. Where else can we do that? Where else can we do that? The meatloaf. 
At, listen, there are a lot of people out there, if you know me, if you know Linda, but if you know me and you know my, you know exactly where we're going with the meat. Where's the meatloaf? Listen to my podcast sometimes. You'll get it's an inside joke. It's funny. The meatloaf. Where's the meatloaf? All right, stay tuned. I got Congressman Andy Biggs on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. I'm Dan Bongino. Sean Hattie. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hattity Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. And for Sean, if you'd like to give us a call, 800-941-7326. I promise I will get to some of your calls in this hour. I didn't forget. But with me now, another guy I really admire, Congressman Andy Biggs, a member of the Freedom Caucus. He represents Arizona's 5th District. Congressman Biggs, thanks a lot for taking the time. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Dan. Good to be with you. So, Congressman, uh, you're, you're read in on what's going on with this uh, Loretta, Loretta Lynch testimony today. Of course, the former attorney general in the Obama administration. Um, I think the big question uh, regarding Loretta Lynch, who is I'm not sure if you agree with this. If you don't, that's fine. You can call me out on it. But Loretta Lynch has kind of skated in this whole, you know, spying scandal on the Trump team. I mean, people have done their homework on it. But of all the players, Brennan, Comey, Andy McCabe, um, she's got kind of a light pass on this. Uh, she's up on Capitol Hill today. Is anybody trying to get to the bottom? I know you are, but any of the kind of weaker members up there trying to get to the bottom of what her role? Did she just do a complete pass Why the biggest spying scandal in American history was going on while she was the attorney general? Is she going to clear this up for anyone? Yeah, yeah, no, you're exactly right. She is. She really has gotten it easy. And the reason that I think she's gotten it easy is because because she's basically deflected everything to Comey. And, and, and the inspector general said, hey, Comey was insubordinate. And he was insubordinate, but she let him be insubordinate. I mean, think about that. I mean, yeah. she let him be insubordinate and do his own thing. And, uh, and she was the attorney general. I mean, she tried to, she told me, I, I specifically asked the question, well, who made the decision she said, to, to not prosecute Hillary Clinton? She said, on, on July 6th, I did. Well, remember on July fifth, that's the day that Comey came out with his big press conference. Yes. Yeah. So, so the day before, he says, "Look, there's nothing there." And so I got to talking to her about, you know, the the culpable middle state, which Comey changed to intent. And she's basically said, "Hey, I don't remember what those were. I don't, I don't know what they were." She was loquacious. She said a lot, but she didn't say anything at all. Well, let me ask you this other follow up question here about this tarmac meeting. And let me be clear: I don't go into this. Uh, you know, unlike liberals who, you know, impugn our motives the minute we open our mouths, I don't go into this with any preconceived notions of what happened. I'm suspicious of it, I'm highly suspicious of it, uh, but the infamous tarmac meeting between Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton, I believe that was in Arizona, right? Uh, the state oh, yeah, yeah uh, in Phoenix. Yeah, in Phoenix, at the, at the Phoenix airport. Knowing yeah. what I know, having been a former Secret Service agent myself and how these things don't just, you know, happen, air quotes there, Congressman, um, right. was she clarifying or edifying in any way about what the purpose or, of, or intent of this meeting was or what was said? No, no. So here's the way you have to understand. The way this comes off, the way I understand, based on her testimony today, first of all, you know this, it's June. It's June 27th. It's hotter than blue blazes, especially on a tarmac. It's a small plane she's in. And guess what? Uh, all of a sudden, the Secret Service says, hey, the former president would like to see it, and he pops up. He's there at her plane that she's at. So so she's in there, and she says for nine or ten minutes that she's, he's talking to her about blah, 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 you know, how the kids, blah, blah, I've got kids. And then also, 
um, starts talking to some of her staff, perhaps. But here's the thing, Dan, and, and she, she did not clarify this, but you do not have to specifically say you really need to let Hillary off because she's done right by you just to, to get that message across. He's asking how her kids are. How are my grandkids? I've got grandkids too, you know, and they, you know, they love us. You know, we, Hillary and I like going to see them, blah, blah, blah. What he's saying in a very smooth way is, look, you know what? We've got family too, and your family kind of. And I, I think that's what was there. But again, she's able to punt that away, and, and, and nobody else is, we haven't found anybody else who can corroborate exactly what was said on that plane. We're talking to Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona's 5th District. Congressman, what bothers me about it is, um, obviously I'm not a, a fan of what happened while Loretta Lynch was the Attorney General. I mean, that may be uh, you know, the easiest thing to put out there. But I, I worked uh, with Loretta Lynch when I, was, when I was doing investigative work as a federal agent. I think she was she the Southern District or the Eastern District. I don't remember specifically. But Loretta Lynch is very bright. Um, you know, th- this is not an ignorant woman. She's very bright. She knows her stuff. She knows the law. It's hard for me to believe that she doesn't understand just how bad this looks. Uh, Bill Clinton's wife is under federal investigation in her DOJ she's running. She doesn't understand. And the only reason I say that, Congressman, is I I get it. If Bill Clinton just appears at the plane door and, you know, it's a two-minute thing and and you say, hey, listen, this is probably not the best time for this, fine. But that's not what happened. Clearly, this was a bit of an extended conversation. That's what leads me to be a little suspicious. You hear where I'm going with that? Yeah, absolutely, because you're talking about a 20-minute total time uh, together, even though she says only half of it was her talking one-on-one. But you're right. It doesn't just happen. There's, there's something that somebody had to arrange it. How else does Bill Clinton know to get there and show up at this airplane at that point and get in and talk about this stuff, whatever it was? And so uh, what she said, what she indicated to us was that she began uh, somewhere either right uh, toward the end of that conversation or she's getting off the plane to go to where she needs to be to, she begins thinking, oh, that, that may not look good. That may not look good. And so, uh, so she, apparently she makes a call to her ethics counsel with DOJ and, and, uh, and says what happened. Of course, she's the only one recounting what happened. And they say, ah, oh, yeah, it's probably not a problem. But she gets to make the choice whether to recuse herself or not. And she didn't choose to recuse herself, even though it looks really, really bad. Yeah, and, and apparently there's no love loss between her and, and former director Comey either, which is the subject of my next question. I also want to ask you about the wall and some other things. But uh, Jim Comey, the transcripts of his testimony up on Capitol Hill have been released, and I asked that we had Congressman Meadows on before. I asked him the same question. I'll ask you just a, a straightforward question. Jim Comey said something I perceived to be ridiculous. Um, he, he said basically he doesn't know where the dossier came from while this investigation was going on. I mean— th- is that even believable? Do you believe Jim Comey on that? It seems ridiculous. No, I mean, the, the dossier is, is what's used to supplement the FISA application to get basically to allow spying on, on an American, Carter Page. And so for, for the director who, by the way, he's getting briefed on a weekly basis on this to say, to, hey, you know what, I have no idea about the dossier. Uh, by the way, it sounds a lot like uh, Ms. Lynch today, well, she, I didn't know anything about, I don't know Christopher Steele, I didn't know anything about a dossier. She said, I knew there was information coming. And it isn't believable. It's very difficult to swallow that. That is, Was Loretta Lynch in any way transparent about that? Uh, you know, the Department of Justice, which she headed as the Attorney General, 
has a clear and delineated role in the verification of information brought to the FISA court. I, I keep saying this Woods procedure thing because it's important. It's an actual procedure to make sure false, uh, unverified information does not make it in front of a, a federal judge on the FISA court. Is she taking any responsibility for this at all that her DOJ rubber stamped a basically one big hoax in this dossier, which was brought into this effectively star chamber-like atmosphere? Is she taking any responsibility? No, in fact, she says she did not. She doesn't remember reviewing it or signing any of those FISA uh, applications, FISA warrant applications. Uh, that's it's, it. So she just yeah. doesn't remember. Nobody remembers that. Jim Comey doesn't remember anything. Yeah, no. no, it just happened. It just happened. It was organic. It just spontaneous. You know, I mean, Congressman, you know as well as I do, if this was a Republican scandal spying oh on a Democrat candidate, media would be calling your office every day, demanding an answer: what you knew, when you knew it, how you knew it, who told you. I, what's astounding to me is just even I get it. There's a left wing bias in the media. I understand it. But you would think at least some entrepreneurial reporter at The Washington Post or New York Times would ask simple, basic questions like that. Hey, there is a procedure to verify this. Right. Can you tell me who signed off on it? Do you have some paperwork on it? Like who is is anybody doing this outside of you guys in the Freedom Caucus? No, I mean, here's the other way to think of it, too. you got the DOJ uh, immediately stepping in and saying that that's classified or that process might be classified or that, that, might, that might lead to a disclosure of classified information. We fight that constantly. They've, 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 buried, they've buried this under a rock, and every time we lift up a rock, we find more worms, more bugs, but they keep uh, uh, smashing that rock back down because they don't want America to understand what happens. They don't want to understand... Uh, they don't want Americans to know that their their government is allowing warrants to go forward on bad information. By the way, supplied by uh, uh, a basically a Russian cutout um, to come in and undermine uh, our protections under FISA and under the Fifth Amendment. So uh, the, and the Fourth Amendment. So you've got a, a load of problems going on here, and they are fighting us every step of the way. Uh, it's 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 absolutely disgraceful. It's it's disgusting. Uh, last question, exit question. I'll let you go. We're talking to Congressman yep. Andy Biggs of Arizona's Fifth District on the wall. Um, Listen, this is a big issue. I don't need to emphasize that. All the listeners this audience understand the wall was a big issue. President Trump ran on it. Um, Americans are sick and tired of illegal immigration. We have been very generous to legal immigrants. My wife is a legal immigrant. Great. Uh, the illegal immigration problem is out of control. Do the Republicans up on the Hill, you're up there, you see it, you're, you, you know, you're a principled guy. Linda loves you, by the way. She said, <laughs> she's like, he's so great. She's like, she's like, he's really good on this issue. Do the Republicans up there understand that if they punt on this, that they can expect to probably get wiped out in 2020 as well? I think there's a significant number of us who understand that very clearly. But there's also a group that, um, you know, I, I, I don't know where they are. I don't know where their head's at. But I would just tell you that I, I think there's a majority of our conference, in the House anyway, that, that's willing to do it. I've got a bill. It's real simple. It's a real simple standalone bill. Just put it up there. Put it up there today. Put it up tomorrow. I'm okay. I tell you what. I'll well, why are they not, Christmas Congressman? Day. Why are they not putting up? This is the only yeah. lame duck in history where the lame duck majority is advancing the minority party's legislation. What? I mean, what's next? The tax hike? I mean, why are yeah. they not voting on your bill? Um, they, I, I, I was told they don't want controversy, but, but now what's happening is it's it, at this late moment, people are finally starting to come on and say something. I mean, we've been talking about this for two years. What, what, they don't want controversy, but they want to yeah. lose 40 seats in the Congress. 
Exactly. And this is why, we, in my opinion, this is why we lost 40 seats. We lost 20 seats by a total of 60,000 votes. That's Ridiculous. a this total is... for, for 20 seats. Otherwise, we would have kept the majority. I'm like, I'm ready to like throw my pen, but there's a window in front of me, and I'm not sure if it's like ballistic glass, so I didn't <laughs> chuck it. They don't want controversy. Like, here's a controversy for you. A lot of Republicans went up there swearing on that, you know, listen, here's what we're going to do. We're going to repeal Obamacare. We're going to get this done. We're going to control spending. Yeah. And a lot, yeah. listen, I'm not trying to pile on, Congressman. I'm not. I, you, you, guys like you and Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, you're doing the right thing, but it's just. I just can't emphasize to you enough in, in the most humble way possible that we're, the American public out there listening to this show are really just looking for some leadership. And the fact that you guys are left out there on this conservative island by yourself in the Freedom Caucus when we elected 200 plus members to advance these causes is just an, it's a total outrage. And people are really getting frustrated. Well, Dan, what I would say is I still believe there's time to do this. There's still time to do it. We don't give up till January 3rd at noon. There's still time, but we need, I, need, I need help and support. I've got my Freedom Caucus, guys. And we've got some outside of Freedom Caucus, you know, the Matt Gates and some of the others that, that help out. But we need the American people to rattle the chains and the cages of the Senate. I mean, Mitch McConnell wants to leave. It rattles the chains of the Senate and the House leadership and the administration and say, please don't give up. Don't give up on this thing. This is a promise. Because I'm going to tell you, it, I've actually heard Republicans here say, well, we can take care of this next Congress. No, no, no. You don't understand. We're the minority next Congress. Yeah. We, this will not get taken care of next Congress. We have to take care of it in the next week. Darn right, Congressman. Nancy Pelosi ain't going to advance that border bill. I can tell you that. Right. So. I, I got to run, but Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, You're a real Dan. warrior for the cause. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you Thanks. soon. All, All right, right, folks, that was Congressman Andy Biggs. Listen, get on the phone. Call your congresswoman, your congressman. Email them. Be cool about it as always. You want this wall. You will not accept no for an answer. I'm Dan Bongino. And for Sean, give us a call, 800-941-7326. We'll be right back. And, and what's the name of that book? Where's that oh, book? Oh, Spygate. Go pick up my book, Spygate, the Attempted Sabotage. You can do Trump. capital S or lowercase uh, s Either way, time. it works. <laughs> You're the best. Thank you. I think you should try it. We'll be right back. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. And for Sean, if you want to give us a call, 800-941-7326. Time flies. Gosh, I can't believe we've been on the air for two and a half hours already. All right, here's what I'm going to do for the rest of the show. I'm going to take some of your calls. I promise you I do that. I mean it, so call in. Um, secondly, I want to cover what's getting lost in this whole big debacle with uh, Loretta Lynch and Jim Comey up on the hill. And uh, here's why I say that, folks. Having quite literally written a book on this scandal into the Trump team. I think that the detail and the, the as and Lee and Linda were joking before, the dipsy-doo flipperoos, the curveballs, the screwballs, the knuckleballs that come at you, the, the names that come out of left field, I think the big overarching thing that happened to the Trump team, I don't know any other way to simplify it, gets lost in all this. Because there's so much lying and nonsense and garbage that we forget that what actually happened is, an, and what I believe, an innocent American citizen, innocent of these collusion hoax charges, him and his team were spied on. And there was a way this happened. Now, the only reason, I'm, I'm going to sum it up quickly for you in the next, uh, so don't go anywhere in the show, in the next couple blocks. But I gave a viral speech on this recently. It was listened to by something like 2 million people. Now, it was a long one. It was extended 
But hey, doing a little Twitter live thing, a little wave, a little wave at home for everyone. If you want to see my, uh, yeah, I have a face for totally for it. By the way, I'll, I will be on TV tonight. Don't miss the Sean Hannity show on Fox where I will be guest hosting tonight. And, and, and what time is that? That is at 9 p.m. Eastern time. This is a do not miss. I'm pretty excited. It's and what channel time. is it on? That is the Fox News channel, 9 p.m. ET, Eastern What's time. your name again? Dan Bongino, like Bon Jovi with a Gino at the end. And what's the name of your book? Spygate, the attempted sabotage of Donald J. Trump. And what's your Twitter? At the Bongino. What's what your Facebook? I, I don't know. What is oh, you're a problem. We were, we're on such a roll there. You guys have access Gosh, to my it. Facebook or something in there. You can, I don't even know what my Facebook is. All right. I'm Dan Bongino with for Sean Hattie. We'll be right back. Sean Hannity is on. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. In for Sean, if you want to give us a call again, 800-941-7326. And hey, listen, Linda was kind enough to remind me. Before the break, I had said, you got to get involved on this wall fight. This is the fight right now. This is the fight that is going to either destroy or advance the Republican Party's principles right now. There are a number of things we fight about, but this wall fight right now is the most important. Triaging our needs, this is number one right now. This requires action, not talk. Talk is great, but if it doesn't motivate action, it doesn't matter. We need you to do something. Be cool about it. You know how to do it. I'm not lecturing anybody, but we need you to contact your congresspeople and your senators and let them know that you will, you will, they will be losing your support if they do not support this wall funding. This is the issue right now. We cannot give Chuck Schumer a win on an issue that should be a ground ball, wall funding and national security. The number for the switchboard, 202-224-3121 up in Capitol Hill. Give them a call. Send them an email. Don't use those form emails. Just talk like you. You know how to do you. You all are activists. You all are, are, are warriors for liberty out there. Email them. Call them. We cannot let some crap garbage bill. Oh, they got to go home for Christmas. They got to go home for Christmas. What do you mean they got to go home for Christmas? Listen, I get it. But we pay these people a lot of money to get their butts kissed every day by a bunch of lobbyists. They work like 20 days a year. You don't have to be home for Christmas. You got to secure the border and, and stop what's going on with this chaos down there. That's what matters right now. Please, I'm, I'm asking with all due respect that we do that. Please email them, call them, and let them know. Melt those phone lines down. It's important. All right, I wanted to sum this up for you uh, quickly in this last part of the, part of the show. <coughs> Excuse me. Folks, this, this whole Spygate scheme, again, with, with Comey and Lynch and everything going on, I, I know it, a lot of it gets complicated, but I want to walk you through what this team, the Obama team, actually did. I'm going to make an hour-long speech I gave about... Seven minutes. I'll do my best. The Obama team was intent on using their weaponized government in the presidential campaign, the Republicans versus Democrats. I don't say Trump Hillary because remember, I believe the Obama team was involved a lot earlier than this during the primary season when Trump was not, he wasn't even the nominee yet. They were intent on using the government for things outside of the prescribed purpose. They had done it before, folks. They didn't learn their lesson, they used it with the IRS. They had this fast and furious debacle. 
You had the AP scandal, the targeting of James Rosen's phones at Fox News. None of this was new. The Obama Benghazi. I mean, the list goes on and on of things that happened that the Obama administration largely skated on. They were used to weaponizing government. And they were going to do it again. And they were going to do it during the campaign cycle to make sure Hillary Clinton had a strategic advantage going into that election cycle. And what was that strategic advantage going to be? Hillary Clinton was going to use information acquired by her political opposition research to feed into or to get or work with this intelligence community in the Obama administration to use it as a strategic advantage to expose and basically be able to listen in on the conversations and communications of some of these Trump team members. So I break it down three ways, plan A, plan B, and plan C. Well, what was plan A for them? Plan A was simple. Plan A was the Obama administration engaging in a historic number of unmaskings. Unmaskings, meaning effectively wiretaps of phone calls, where one side, the U.S. citizen side, if you're talking to someone on foreign soil, is masked or the name is hidden. They would unmask them. Now, ladies and gentlemen, again, this is all in my book, Spygate. Uh, It's all laid out. And and, and the great part about the book is I footnote it with left-leaning sources, The Washington Post, New York Times, CNN. Why do I do that? Because the liberals told this story for us when they believed Donald Trump was actually guilty of collusion. You get where I'm going with this? They reported the story, unmaskings and all this stuff, under the guise of, well, it was necessary because Trump was a Russian colluder. He wasn't. And now the liberal media outlets are left with all those stories out there, which we detail out in the footnotes in the book. They told the story for us. So plan A, again, was listening on those phone calls, unmasked them. We know this happened. We know General Flynn. Uh, we know his phone call was unmasked, was listened in on. We know that. We know historic numbers of unmasking requests were, uh, were leveled by Samantha Power, you know, Obama's um, ambassador to the United Nations, who said, hey, I didn't authorize all those. We know Susan Rice's name is all over the unmasking requests. They were going to do that to use the government for their political ends. And we know they had willing accomplices in John Brennan and other folks out there in the foreign intelligence community that for reasons beyond the scope of the next 20 minutes were apt to not get Donald Trump into office. I lay that out in the book, too. There were motives there, actual motives on foreign intelligence to make sure Donald Trump wasn't present. So understand this is planet. Now, it's obviously not known as plan A. Why? Because the unmaskings are just the plan. But the plan's not working out because something happens. Someone throws a major league curveball at the Obama administration they have a really, really hard time dealing with. And the hero of this little story is NSA Director Mike Rogers. Mike Rogers notices something's up with misuse of the NSA database He understands there's something going on here, so he puts in an audit request to audit the use of the NSA database. He senses something's wrong. Again, all this is out there for you to read. It's in the book. It's out there on the the open, open Internet. You can read this stuff yourself. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is not made up. This actually happened. He requests that the FISA court look into this. The FISA court issues a report on misuse of the NSA database during the Obama administration and finds out, incredibly, that the misuse of the database is pretty rampant and that some of the information is being passed to private contractors. Wait, 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 what? Come again on that? 
the NSA database, the most powerful metadata database in the world, is being queried. And it's being queried in such a way that disturbs the NSA director. They find out that many of these queries, these about queries, are not authorized. Not all, but a good amount of them are not authorized. And the information is being shared with private contractors. Mike Rogers shuts it down. That's the end of plan A. Remember, it's not known as plan A. It's just a plan. You need a plan B to have a plan A. Now, the Obama administration, instead of just getting caught and saying, eh, we got busted, the Obama administration wants to spy on their political opponents. They've got it. That's just what they do. They love weaponizing government. So plan B comes into effect. Plan B, hey, we've got this dossier. We've got this interesting dossier running out there. Why don't we use the FISA courts? For those watching at home, I'm not looking at my phone to send you a text. I'm going to pull up an article. Some of you are watching on Twitter right now. Linda's like, what is he doing? Is he texting? What is he doing back there? What is, <laughs> you know what? That's, what is she doing back there? The meatloaf line, right? They need this dossier because the dossier has these salacious allegations. And now that they can't spy on the Trump team because Rogers is watching them the way they were, they need a new way to spy on the Trump team. So what better way to do it than to jump into the FISA courts? Yes, this is great. The FISA courts will get an actual warrant. Okay, cool. Okay, cool not. Here's the problem. They needed information to use to swear to in the FISA courts that the Trump team was involved in some Russian subversion effort, which they didn't have. I want you all to Google at home a little article, though, about this handy-dandy dossier we now know is garbage. This is what I was pulling up. April 17th, 2007. Not 2017, 2007. An article in the Wall Street Journal entitled, How Lobbyists Help Ex-Soviets Woo Washington. I want you to read this article. You know who wrote it? Glenn R. Simpson and Mary Jacoby. Yes, Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS and Dossier fame. When you read that article, you're going to say, wow, this sounds a whole lot like the Dossier. The players, Alpha Bank, Manafort, Deripaska, all the names that appear in the Spygate scandal or appear at some point in the Dossier are magically in a Wall Street Journal story written by the same guy involved with the dossier, written all the way back in 2007. What I'm telling you, folks, is it was a movie script. They already had this movie written. They couldn't spy on them through unmasking or the use of the NSA database anymore. So what'd they do? They took this movie script that Hillary Clinton paid for from Glenn Simpson, who had already written this script back in 2007, Swapped out a few names, threw Donald J. Trump's name in there, said, hey, I got a story for you. How about this one? It's like a Ren and Stimpy episode. Stimpy, you idiot. Remember, I used to love that show. We wrote this episode a long time ago. This was, at least Ren and Stimpy, someone was actually involved in that who got paid. Those were real stories written by someone. The dossier's totally fake. It's fake. But some of the players and allegations in the dossier, when you read this 2007 story by Simpson, you're like, gosh, it sounds like the same story. He sold them a bag of garbage. They waltzed into the FISA court. That was plan B. Well, what happened, folks? Plan B blew up because something happened in November of 2016. The presidential election happened, and Donald Trump won. Nobody, exactly zero people thought Donald Trump was going to win. 
Zero. Now Plan C comes into effect. What's Plan C? Clean up aisle four. We've got to cover all this up. The unmaskings, the abuse of the database, the spying out of the Trump team, the use of Stefan Halper, the use of government intelligence assets to spy on people. We've got to clean this up. Who better to bring in than Bobby M? Bobby M, Bobby Mueller. Why Bob Mueller? Because Mueller is intimately connected to all of the players involved in this who have something to hide. He was the FBI director during the Uranium One scheme. Who was the uh, prosecuting attorney on it? Rod Rosenstein on the Uranium One scheme. Who was Bob Mueller's chief of staff who was in charge of the National Security Division at the DOJ when they were supposed to vet the dossier? John Carlin, that was Bob Mueller's old chief of staff. He was one of the guys at DOJ involved in that chain of command that was supposed to vet this thing, the dossier. Mueller knows all of them. Who does he bring in? He brings in his old Enron crew, Andy Weissman, who can't stand Donald Trump. Email Sally Yates about it. There's no better guy to clean up on Al 4 other than Bob Mueller. Mueller's sole job right now is to keep the heat exclusively on Donald Trump and to make sure all of the corruption we all witnessed and we know happened, make sure all of that goes away. All right, that was an hour speech in, yeah, about eight minutes or so. Not too bad. You can see it online. It, it went, like, everything goes viral, viral. I hate that word. But it was viewed millions of times, and I think people are really starting to open their eyes just how bad this was. It's all laid out in my book. Again, sorry, I don't want to hammer you over the head with it, but uh, it's called Spygate, the attempted sabotage of Donald Trump. You can read it all for yourself. It reads like a police file, and it's footnoted using a bunch of left-wing sources. So give your liberal friends fits and say, oh, that's funny because this is in the Washington Post. Here's the footnote. Oh, uh, and then all of a sudden they got to sit there and go, oh, well, that, you know what? They'll just call you a racist. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're a racist. You're, okay, that's their bottom line for everything when they have nothing else to say. All right, on the other side's break, I will definitely get to some calls. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Sean Hannity, 800-941-7326, and at DBongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Sean Hannity Show. Dan Bongino in for Sean. I told you I'd take a call. Sorry, I had so much going on today. Let's go to Dave in California. Dave, what do you got for us, buddy? You got about a minute and a half. I, uh, I got an old two-and-a-half-year-old MAGA hat that's faded and worn out, and I threw it in the air with glee when I witnessed the showdown in the Oval Office with Pelosi and Schumer. That hat is now next to my trash can, and I'm a, I'm fearing a red wave across this nation that will occur in landfills with red mega hats if this president capitulates, blinks, and bends over for Pelosi and Schumer on funding for the wall. Is this your one number one issue, Dave? The wall? I lost three friends to illegal aliens, two by drunk drivers, one shot in the face four times for looking at a gang member's girlfriend. And I cannot tolerate this president capitulating to the law. Well, he hasn't yet. I just want to be I don't. And I hope he doesn't, Dave. Um, and I appreciate the call, Dave. Thank you very much. But uh, I, listen, folks, I get it. I, I hear it. I see it on Twitter. I see it on social media. I was walking around the streets today, even in New York, stopped and spoke to a few people. This is a big issue. I think the president senses it. I think he understands inherently how much this means. But look at this. Linda just brought this in. The GoFundMe launched to pay for the border wall. Nears a million dollars in two days. Two days. 
This is a hot issue. I think one thing the president, President Trump has that Republican politicians in the past haven't had is this knack to put a finger on the pulse. I think he senses, senses something's up. A million dollars in two days, Linda. Think about that. You can't raise a million dollars for anything in two days. You can't get like unanimous money like that raised for you. Ask a bunch of kids if they want homework. There's always that one kid that says, yeah, it's hard to get. This is pretty unanimous. Something's got to get done. I think he gets it. I hope he gets it. I know he's listening to out there. Do not capitulate on this. Do not give Schumer a win against national security. We need that border wall. All right, folks, thanks a lot. Please tune in to the Sean Hannity Show tonight on Fox, 9 p.m. Eastern time on the Fox News Channel. I will be guest hosting. It's my first time. I'm pretty stoked. So I haven't been back here in a while, though, either. This was my first time back here in, like, what, a year or so? I hope you like the show. Follow me on Twitter, at Bongino, and please pick up my book, Spygate, The Attempted Sabotage of Donald Trump. See you soon. Hey there, it's Ryan Seacrest for Safeway. Now that spring is here, it's time to focus on self-care and revitalize your personal care routine. Now through March 26, head in store, shop for all your favorite personal care essentials, and earn four times rewards points. Shop for items like Crest toothpaste, secret deodorant, Old Spice deodorant, or Gillette razors. Offer expires March 26. Restrictions apply. Promotions may vary. Visit Safeway.com for more details. You know, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean exactly that. Free. Switch to Pure Talk today and you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. Now, qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and, of course, mobile hotspot. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean and claim your eligibility for free, your brand-new Samsung 5G smartphone. Again, it's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, and switch to my cell phone company, Pure Talk. Hey, as spring unfolds, the warmer breezes, guess what? It is time to embrace the comfort of your own backyard and I have found a game changer for your home oasis. It's the Michael Phelps Swim Spa by Master Spas. Now, this is the ultimate two-for-one deal. You get a luxurious hot tub that meets an elite exercise pool that you'll love. This is not just relaxation. It is a first-class experience in the privacy of your own space. Just go to masterspas.com, enter the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner for up to $1,000 off your Master Spa exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand that I trust. That's masterspas.com.